everybody and welcome to a retro wrestling podcast extra i'm intern alex joining you this week by myself we'll get back to our regular reviews this coming week with ecw's gangsta's paradise where patrick and myself will run down that historic historic card from 1995 first want to talk about a little bit of news that happened this past week as we head into wwe's clash of champions this sunday on pay-per-view or the WWE Network as we know it. Big news in the world of wrestling as far as Axis TV being purchased by Anthem Entertainment, the company that owns Impact Wrestling, which means Impact will have a new home that might actually make it into your home. As they were on the Pursuit channel, now they're going to be on Axis, which has a much bigger reach. Also, Axis, the partner with New Japan Pro Wrestling, and WoW, so they already have wrestling products on their television, but now they're going to get Impact as well. And also, this is a big move just for Anthem Entertainment because while they have a sizable footprint in Canada, getting an American cable network that has more reach than the Pursuit Channel, which they own a stake in, now rumors are circulating that Anthem could also be interested in purchasing Ring of Honor from Sinclair. Now, I don't think that's going to happen because Sinclair is in the acquisition business, not in the selling business. But with Sinclair recently acquiring all those regional Fox Sports networks, I imagine that Ring of Honor is a big part of their plans moving forward. So I don't see Anthem actually purchasing Ring of Honor, but we we shall see. Aside from the pay-per-view happening this Sunday, Wednesday will be the premiere of NXT on the USA Network, though Only a one-hour edition of NXT. The second hour will be on the WWE Network as USA is burning off the last few episodes of Suits. So the official two-hour debut won't actually happen until that October 2nd date when, of course, AEW premieres on TNT. So NXT Lite is basically premiering this week. Hasn't gotten a lot of promotion from the WWE I guess probably because it's only going to be that one-hour version with the other hour being on the network. Would have liked to have seen more promotion about it, more hype behind it, because it really feels kind of flat. It, it kind of feels like a a preview, not exactly a debut. Also, locally here, uh, a little bit of news from the WWE is they had to cancel a house show in Chattanooga, Tennessee, where we're based out of, because we have a water shortage. We had a water main break, and the water main serves the university, which is where the show is going to be happening at, the university's McKenzie Arena here in downtown Chattanooga. And so they had to reschedule the show to January, which this house show has now been delayed a second time, as this was originally supposed to happen in January of this year, and now it's going to happen in January of next year, which, unfortunately for... Our town means that we probably won't get another house show out of the WWE until 2021 after January. So this was a town that they used to bring TV to and now can't even get a house show (laughs) because of uh, circumstances beyond their control. But who knows how the house show business is going to evolve? I mean, house shows kind of dwindling. The, The attendance isn't good. And who knows how much longer house shows will be around. So I kind of worry for cities like Chattanooga on the smaller side where will we even get a touring wrestling company stopping by every once in a while? Or will we have to make the trek up to Nashville or Atlanta where in Nashville, AEW going to run TV in November. Tickets went on sale Friday and uh, ticket sales seem to be going good, at least in my Uh, attempt at buying a ticket i could tell that they were uh, getting snatched up quite quickly so that's happening in november november 13th it'll be the 
first TV after their next pay-per-view. For this Retro Wrestling Podcast Extra, I decided to go back, not too far, but to a go-home show for another uh, Night of Champions pay-per-view before it was The Clash, before they adopted the WCW uh, way of saying it. When it was Night of Champions, back in 2014, the first year of the WWE Network, and, and you can certainly tell because they promote the network quite a bit through this Raw. This is the Raw from September 15th, 2014 heading into Night of Champions, which would take place in Nashville, Tennessee, but this Raw taking place from Lafayette, Louisiana, a place where I'm not sure the fans are going to be so eager to go back after they had Pat McAfee make a video mocking the crowd after their last visit there because the crowd just wasn't excited for NXT call-ups, including Ricochet and Aleister Black and they didn't, they didn't just go crazy, so Pat McAfee and the WWE made a video basically making fun of the crowd, basically insulting the crowd, people that paid money to be there. Well, so I'm not sure exactly how Lafayette is going to react the next time Raw comes to town, but that's in 2019-2020. So we start this episode of Raw with Paul Heyman. He previews Night of Champions. He sings John Cena's theme song. Then he says Brock Lesnar will come in and decimate him. This was the year of Brock Lesnar as Brock defeated The Undertaker at WrestleMania 30, ended the streak, which is a decision I I still think a lot of people question, including myself, whether not that the streak should end. I, I don't really mind that so much, but should it have been Brock Lesnar? And for 2014, it seemed like, yeah, okay, it should be Brock Lesnar because he was booked like a world beater. And I mean, to this day, still is booked pretty strong, but he has had some losses here and there, including to Goldberg, among others. The fallout from WrestleMania 30, though, outside of Undertaker's loss is that Daniel Bryan won the WWE title, but then had to forfeit it due to injury which vacated the title, John Cena won it, and then at SummerSlam was, of course, the infamous death of Superman, the birth of Suplex City, where Brock Lesnar ran through John Cena, and this was the rematch coming from SummerSlam that they are promoting here on this episode of Raw. So Paul Heyman sings John Cena's theme song. He says, Brock Lesnar will come in and decimate him on Sunday. But then John Cena's music hits, and he interrupts Paul Heyman. Cena says he can't find Brock, and he'll either fight Brock, or I guess he'll have to fight Paul Heyman if he can't find Brock. Heyman says Brock will fight him, but only for $9.99 on the WWE Network as Paul Heyman laughs because Paul Heyman knows that Brock Lesnar doesn't work for free on Raw. Cena then demands that Heyman produce Brock Lesnar, produce the Beast to be specific. Cena says, look, halfway through this show, if I don't get Brock, I'm going to kick your ass, Paul. Heyman says, okay, well, I'll let you know if he shows up. See you later. But then Cena kidnaps him and takes him to the back. What a great baby face here. Our commentators for tonight, JBL, Michael Cole, and Jerry the King Lawler. Last week, Roman Reigns was trapped in a cage by the authority, but overcame the odds, of course, until Seth Rollins and Corporate Kane took over and Rollins curb-stomped Reigns into a chair. So we see highlights of that. Colvin teases a Seth Rollins-Roman Reigns match for tonight. So they are going to give away the match that they're doing on Sunday here tonight. So I had my doubts as to whether this match would actually happen. Then Pyro goes off and Chris Jericho's music hits. This is the illuminated jacket era of Chris Jericho's career. Jericho here to take on Corporate Kane, the mayor of Knox County, and the AEW champion here. Uh, During the break, we missed Cena taking Heyman to his locker room. You could have seen this if you had the WWE app. They used to do this where they would uh, have bonus coverage during the breaks, and uh, you could watch it on your, your phone. I don't think they do this anymore, but... Let me know if I'm wrong. I'm I'm just not sure that they do that anymore. 
After Cena stashes Heyman in his locker room, he finds Great Khali, who was flown in to Lafayette, to stand in front of a door. So Great Khali stands in front of the door to keep Heyman trapped. Despite getting a bad rap the last time they went to Lafayette in 2019 or 2018, whenever that was, the Cajun Dome tonight, pretty good crowd, I, I have to admit, for a rather subpar episode of Raw. Jericho dropkicks Kane out of the ring and hits a plancha to the outside. They get back in the ring, hits an enziguri and a dropkick for a two-count. They get back in the ring, and Jericho hits an enziguri and a dropkick and gets a near fall. Kane throws Jericho out of the ring for Raw so they can take a commercial break because that is the cue for taking a commercial break. I, I understand taking commercial breaks during matches, but can we come up with a different way other than get thrown to the outside? Why is that always the cue? Can they not just take a break with two guys in the ring? Or I, I just don't understand. I know they've experimented this year with trying to not take commercial breaks during matches. And that was a complete disaster with two out of three falls matches or just stopping the match. But it always annoyed me when people just get thrown out because I know, oh, commercial time. It's just uh, I, I wish that they could figure out something better. And AEW promises to not take commercial breaks during matches. So I wonder how that's going to work because WWE can't seem to figure this out, even though they used to all the time during the Attitude Era. You just How hard is it to do an eight-minute match? That's all you have to do. Kane tries the signature flying clothesline, but Jericho counters with a drop kick. Jericho does corner punches to Kane, but Kane drops him on the buckles to escape. Kane undoes the buckle pad, which would be Kane's undoing. As Jericho bulldogs Kane, hits the line salt, but Kane catches him by the throat. But Jericho throws him into the exposed buckle and rolls him up for the win. Jericho facing Orton at Night of Champions. That's right. Jericho was going to face Randy Orton, but Randy Orton also on this show to do nothing but a backstage interview. I don't think he actually made the trip uh, to Lafayette as uh, he was not on this show besides that backstage interview, and he didn't interfere in this match, and so this was very strange. You had Jericho go over a member of the authority, and that was it. I mean, no one, none of the other Seth Rollins didn't come out to try to screw Jericho over. It's very odd. Uh, very, it's a very WWE main event, the TV show style of match where you had two competitors with no real connection fighting here in the opening match of Monday Night Raw. One thing to make a note of this Raw is only five years old, and yet. Many of the competitors and some of the commentators no longer with the company. So that's something to keep count of during the show as Jericho and Kane both no longer with the company. I mean, Kane, I guess you could say, is still affiliated with the company, but he's sort of busy doing the whole being a mayor of a county thing at the moment. Plus, Cena's not there as much anymore. JBL's been pretty much removed. King is pretty much reduced. I mean... It's just sort of shocking to me how many people are on this episode of Raw that are really no longer a week-to-week -week active performer with the company anymore. So back to Jericho and Orton. The only reason I know that Jericho's facing Orton is because Cole mentions it one time. We go backstage to Paul Heyman, who tries to get Brock on the phone to save him. Help me, Brock. Help me. You're my only hope. We come back from break and get a... Fun WWE fun fact that is fun. Did you know last Friday, SmackDown beat every show on cable to make the most viewed show on Friday nights for 15 weeks on cable? Well, they're about to go to Fridays again here in 2019, only they're going to be on network TV. We'll see how they do if they have much to brag about uh, coming up in October. At Night of Champions, Mark Henry's taking on Rusev. Another two performers who are pretty much not featured week to week on WWE television any longer. Mark Henry being retired and Rusev being, I don't know, working on his mustache somewhere. So Mark Henry is going to defend America's honor this Sunday. This is when Rusev was, of course, Russian, not Bulgarian. As uh, tensions with Russia have sort of escalated here in 2019, so... Once we got past WrestleMania 31, Rusev sort of abandoned the 
Russian thing and went back to being Bulgarian. Tonight on Raw, Mark Henry plans to rally America. Get There's no better person to rally America than Mark Henry. Charles Austin, a gold medal high jumper, sent in a video to wish Mark Henry luck in defending America's honor. So, thanks. At least an actual gold medalist uh, weighed in on this whole thing and not a guy that disappointed America at the Olympics. Let's be honest. This would have this whole angle would have worked better with Kurt Angle. Uh, unfortunately, he was still with TNA in 2015. Roman Reigns gets interviewed by Renee about Seth turning his back on him three months ago. How does Roman feel about his match tonight? He says he's going to hit Seth in the mouth. Believe that. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome my guest at this time, Roman Reigns. Roman, you were part of one of the most dominant factions we've ever seen in WWE until this happened. In case you haven't figured it out yet, there's always a plan B. And the dominant faction Renee was talking about was the shield. Those three men in the ring when Seth Rollins turned his back on his brethren the night after the shield dismantled evolution. Rollins first attacking Ambrose with a curb stomp. This is one of the most shocking betrayals that I've ever seen. And then Randy Orton would attack Roman Reigns. Oh my God. Tonight you finally have your opportunity to face Seth Rollins one-on-one. This is a man who not only turned his back on you, but he tried to end your career. How do you feel heading into this match tonight? Two years ago I came in the WWE with two brothers. Now I stand alone. One versus all. Seth Rollins, he wants to take credit for everything I've done, everything I've accomplished. But we both know that's a load of crap. And Seth, he's so smart. He's always got a game plan. Everyone's got a plan until they get hit in the mouth. My plan's simple. I'm gonna ball up this fist and I'm gonna hit him in the mouth as many times as I can until my knuckles bleed. Believe that. Jack Swagger and Zeb Coulter are out next. Two other guys, no longer with the company. They're still doing the We the People thing, something that Jack Swagger has carried over into his MMA career, but. This is the We the People without the Tea Party stuff. The uh, the old Don't Tread on Me flag stuff had been dropped by this point, so it was just patriotic, Jack Swagger. On Swagger's way to the ring, Michael Cole plugs Stone Cold's podcast. This was probably in exchange for him doing those network podcasts that Cole had to plug his actual podcast. Tonight's Raw is brought to you by the Texas Barbecue Thick Burger at Hardee's and Carl's Jr. Former NXT champion Bo Dallas is in the ring to take on Jack Swagger as Bo Dallas, a shining example of NXT call-ups gone bad. Swagger hits a belly-to-belly for a two-count. We the people chance for Swagger as Bo works a chin lock. Jack hits a belly-to-back, but Dallas answers with a swinging neckbreaker. Bo misses a second rope knee drop, and Swagger runs wild. He calls for the Swagger Bomb, but Bo avoids it. Swagger puts the Patriot Lock, or the Ankle Lock, as most of us call it, and Bo Dallas taps out. Welcome to the main roster, Bo Dallas. Cole, JBL, and King all take turns pimping the WWE Network. Jerry the King Lawler, what do you think he's excited about? Slam City. The stop-motion animation show, that's what gets Jerry the King Lawler excited. Michael Cole's excited about the Monday Night War series and the episode coming up about the Montreal Screwjob because that hasn't been talked about enough. And JBL says he's excited about seeing pay-per-views on the network. A Divas tag match is next with four Divas who are not really with the company anymore. So more people... No longer with the company. Coming up next. As AJ Lee teams with Brie Bella and Paige teams with Nikki Bella. As this was when the Bella Twins were going through their they hate each other phase. We go to a Hardy's highlight where Jerry Springer had to mediate the Bella Twins feud. Which ended in a last week as even Stephanie McMahon had to pull the Bella Twins apart. 
Spoiler alert, the Bella Twins get back together and everything was fine. But not this week. We come back to Raw and Divas champion Paige is in the ring and she gets no entrance despite being the champion, but Nikki Bella does. Then Brie mode music hits and Brie's out next and AJ Lee is out to be her partner. As this was when AJ Lee was in sort of weird places, her husband, CM Punk, had been fired by the company, but AJ Lee stuck around for a few months after. Brie and Nikki start the match, but Nikki quickly tags Paige in. Paige works a chin lock on Brie. Nikki rips AJ off the mat, so Brie couldn't tag out. What a mean sister. And Paige hits the Rampage, which is a lifted DDT, and Paige gets the win. Then Nikki hits the rack attack on Brie after the match. Then Paige and AJ skip around after the match. So... There you go. At Night of Champions, it's a triple threat for the belt between AJ, Nikki, and Paige. Cole tosses to SmackDown highlights where Bray Wyatt got scared of Big Show. Seriously, yes. In 2019, The Fiend uh, was scared of Big Show in 2014. Big Show also not around anymore. We go to a Bray promo where he talks about David and Goliath. It's a terrible Bray Wyatt promo. And he sort of kind of channels, I know he's he's based on Cape Fear, and that's his character, but he sort of channels Heath Ledger in the way that he talks uh, in this promo. You can check it out here. Well, he said that he was just a little shepherd boy. How could he possibly topple a giant? Well, let me let you know that secret. Goliath still roams the earth today in the form of sickness and debt and conflict. And that leads me to ask the question, what exactly is your Goliath? And how will you topple it? Do you think that he can help you? (laughs) Fool! Everything that you've been led to believe in this life, it is a lie. And now you have left me with the burden of having to fix everything. And tonight, <laughs> just for fun, I fixed the big show. Follow the buzzard. <laughs> big show's out next. He gets pyro to no reaction. Now this. This is where Pyro should be cut for people like Big Show. Not just cut it all together, but just don't give it to people like Big Show. He's going to face Bray Wyatt as Paul Heyman is nervously shaking in the back, waiting for his fate. Heyman tries to get Great Khali to let him make a call as he has no cell phone reception in the locker room. I guess this was before Cricket Mobile was the sponsor, because uh, I don't think they would have liked to have heard he has no cell reception. But Kali smashes Paul's obviously fake telephone and stuffs him back in the room. Big Show's been in the ring this entire time listening to his theme song, Loop, so that must have been fun for the live crowd in Lafayette. Bray does his old Wyatt family entrance, which I still prefer this version of the song to the new Fiend version. I know that they needed to change it because he's a scarier character, so make it like a Slipknot version. But I love that old Bray Wyatt theme song. Cole mentions the Raw pre-show. Remember those? Yeah, back when the network started, they wanted to do pre-shows and post-shows and panels. And then they said, ah, forget it. Remember Talking Smack? That was a lot of fun, too. Cut all that out here in 2019. Bray catches a big boot from Big Show and hyperextends his knee and puts the big man down. He DDTs Big Show for a two count. He keeps Big Show grounded with chin locks, but then Big Show slows Wyatt down with a belly-to-back and some clotheslines before Bray responds with one of his own for a near fall. Big Show hits his big ending which I think used to be called the final cut, which isn't called that in 2014 anymore. It was That was Gold Dust thing. But anyway, Harper runs in, interferes, causes the DQ, but Big Show double choke slams Harper and Eric Rowan after the bell. 
I'm being generous when I say it was a double choke slam, and as it was more like two big men falling over after Big Show put his hands near their necks. We get a thick burger rewind as the Usos were in a match with the Dust Brothers last week, and the Dust Brothers beat the shit out of them, I guess turning heel. Usos do their old entrance with their haka, and then they do their, when we say oos, you say oh. And uh, their shitty music and their face paint and just the, the worst version of the Usos. It, out of all the character changes the WWE has done over the years, changing the Usos into their current form was one of the best. I could not stand this version of the Usos. Sheamus will partner with them. He's the U.S. champ, by the way. Cole plugs an anti-bullying app. Hilarious as he's sitting next to JBL. Cesaro is out to team with the Dust Brothers, Gold, and Star. One thing of note, the Usos shirts were blue and gold, and they looked like Tide detergent advertisements. The commentators don't pay any attention to this match as JBL wishes William Taft and Teddy Long happy birthdays. Sheamus tosses Cesaro and Stardust to the outside, dives on them for a decent reaction. It's actually the highlight of the match, seeing Sheamus fly. Cesaro tags in, hits the gotch neutralizer to Sheamus, but the Usos save the pinfall. Jimmy dives on the Dust Brothers, and then Jay hits a big splash on Cesaro, so the faces get the win. Cole tosses to last month where Rollins curb stomped Dean Ambrose through cement blocks, and they broke, because that's what cement blocks do, of course, when you stomp someone on them. Uh, they they just shatter into pieces. I, I hate all those bad concrete blocks out there that just fall apart. I run into that all the time. This Sunday, it's the first ever hour-long kickoff show at 7 o'clock for the Night of Champions featuring the Peep Show with Christian and Chris Jericho. Another guy not with the company anymore in Christian as he was forced into retirement without, you know, everyone else, Edge... Uh, Daniel Bryan a couple times now. Um, everyone gets their goodbye speech. Christian, eh, he's just retired. Just take our word for it. Cole tosses to Mark Henry Olympic highlights. Yeah, where Mark Henry choked and let America down. But tonight, Mark Henry is going to rally America. Lana tweeted about it, saying that Henry will be crushed. Renee is backstage with Randall Orton. Randy, who was brought in. For this interview and this interview only. Where last week he attacked Jericho who was getting his knee iced. And earlier tonight in Jericho's match, Jericho showed no signs of this attack. And by the way, in the video rewind here, they uh, have Randy mention that it was the season premiere. That's, that's right. When Monday Night Football came back that year, they decided to call Raw the season premiere in September just to give it some sort of jazz, a an idea that has not been revisited. Randy's going to give Jericho a beating on Sunday. Okay, thanks, Randy. That's all Randy does tonight. Cena goes to get Heyman out of his locker room. He brings Heyman to the ring and threatens to beat him, which would have been rather heelish. And Heyman calls him out on that, says he won't turn his back on the Cenation. Heyman says if you turn heel on Sunday, you might just win the title and be a Paul Heyman guy. And Heyman begs Cena to hit him right now. Turn heel now. Ladies and gentlemen, my name is John Cena. And now is the moment you've all been waiting for. It's time to watch the great Heyman Dini, the great Paul Heyman, the one behind 21 and one, is going to magically make a beast appear. Or John Cena is going to magically use his fist and make Paul Heyman's teeth disappear. This is not gonna be good. Everyone's waiting, Paul. Produce 
your beast. So, so everything about hustle, loyalty, and respect is a sham, isn't it? This is the John Cena I have been trying to pull out of you for weeks. Last week, I told you to take your aggression out on them. And you're right, and I'm wrong. You'll never turn your back on the C Nation. That won't be the trigger ever for me. I can be the trigger to beat a beast. You have to become a beast. And it has to be deep inside you, that hatred. And I'm the one to bring that hatred out of you. Oh, you won't hit me, because that would make you a bully. Because you know it's true that my client's plane is legitimately delayed. And you're gonna take it out on a 49-year-old father of two? No, Brock Lesnar is a bully. And you won't be Brock Lesnar. Which is why John Cena, you can't beat Brock Lesnar. I thought even your hatred for me would allow the beast inside you to come out. But this whole role model thing, you really do believe it. So I'll give you a chance. Let that aggression out and this Sunday, you have a chance to become the WWE Heavyweight Champion of the World. This is the precipice of an all new John Cena. Just like I told you last week, and I'm telling you now, and I'm gonna give you your chance. Hit me! Hit me, John Cena! Let it go! Let it flow! Let it out! Come on! Why don't you say it, John? The champ is here, you can't! Because my guy took it away from you! But my time is now, you can't! Because Brock Lesnar took it away from you! Your mother and father raised you better. They raised you to live a code. And that code is hustle, loyalty, and respect. And it will stop you every time dead in your tracks. You can't be a bully. You can't even hit me. And we all know I deserve it. John Cena, you're gonna fail this Sunday. You'll never be the WWE heavyweight champion again. You can't be Brock Lesnar. If there was ever a human being on earth that deserved his face rearranged, it is you, Paul Heyman. You are the scum of this planet. You are a waste of oxygen. Hit me. Hit me. One time. Let it flow, John. Become my vision of you as a Paul Heyman I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I planned this whole thing because I thought for a second you would produce Brock Lesnar and we would fight and I would show these people that I am ready for Night of Champions this Sunday. But there is no beast. 
It's just you. An old, washed up, loudmouth scumbag has been who doesn't deserve the dirt off of my hands. Wow. I'll give you credit, Mr. Cena. You're doing the right thing by walking away. I mean, if I were your mother, I'd be very proud of you. If my son was born with a pair of testicles. He says, hey, Cena, you're going to fail if you can't even hit me. Cena apologizes for the whole kidnapping thing earlier and says he just really wanted that Brock Lesnar guy and that Paul isn't worth his time. Heyman then questions Cena's balls, and this makes Cena a little mad, and he shoves Heyman down. So not exactly a heel turn here. Uh, More of a, hey, you can't talk about my balls, buddy. Then Brock's music hits, and he comes out with Pyro. Again, wow, Pyro. Another thing not with the company any longer. Cena takes his shirt off, and he's ready to scrap with Brock, but Brock just paces around the ring. Silly John, Brock doesn't work raw. Brock finally does engage with Cena, though, after teasing just leaving. He hits one German suplex. They paid this man a ton of money to come in and hit one German suplex. Cena responds by throwing Lesnar into the post and taking him to the ring mats before the security goons break them up. Cena then grandstands and hot dogs as he celebrates taking Brock Lesnar to the ground. We come back from break. Stephanie McMahon is in Shape Magazine to tell us how we're all fat slobs. And they plug her exercise DVD that would be coming out later that year. Cameron, remember her? Another person no longer with the company is here to take on Naomi, who is still here with the company, as the Funkadactyls explode. This was a conclusion to a total diva storyline where Naomi was upset that Cameron is going to NXT. So Naomi's upset that Cameron's actually going to go back to developmental to learn how to wrestle. Cameron actually had all of the offense in this match, but Naomi puts her in that submission that weird head scissors thing that she does, and Cameron taps before Naomi even locks it in. So, goodbye, Cameron. You lived your dream. You had a match on Monday Night Raw. Naomi still has to get the Someone Call My Mama song as her winning theme song, even though the Funkasaurus had left the building. Raw tonight still brought to you by Hardee's. They haven't changed their sponsor midway through the show. The Miz and Damian Mizdow, another guy no longer with the company, are here to take on Dolph Ziggler and R. Ziggler, R-Truth, doing his version of Dolph Ziggler, which I almost forgot that this happened, and I wish that they had stuck with it. Uh, That's the problem with R-Truth. He's a great wrestler, but he's so good at comedy, as you see in 2019 with the 24-7 title, that he's always put into these predicaments, so he's... Dolph Ziggler's fodder. Dolph should be imitating our truth not the other way around. Dolph is facing Miz at night of champions for the IC belt, but tonight it's a tag match between the real wrestlers and their imposters. And what I was thinking in this tag match is if our truth and Ziggler could somehow do twin magic, it would be incredible. I seriously think I heard the crowd chanting, "We want Ziggler," which in 2019 is not going to happen. Miz and Sandow work over R-Truth for ages. Ziggler gets the hot tag, hits a Famouser to Miz for a two-count. Miz accidentally decks Sandow, or Mizdow, and Ziggler hits the zigzag and pins Miz, the guy he's facing on Sunday. So, uh, zero heat going into their big intercontinental match on Sunday. Seth Rollins is backstage with Tom Phillips to talk about the beating that he gave Roman Reigns last week. Rollins 
with a neck beard uh, here in 2014. I'm glad he's kind of taking care of that a little bit. He says Roman is nothing without him. He compares Roman to a gorilla. Seriously. Yes. The He compares the Samoan to a gorilla and gives an old goofy Seth promo. All oh, that hilarious Seth. We're always making jokes. Tom, come on. What do you think? Don't, don't answer that. Of course it does. Look, I'm not going to take anything away from Roman Reigns. Roman Reigns is one of the most naturally gifted superstars in the history of WWE. But Roman Reigns is nothing without me. I mean, you heard the guy earlier. He was uh, talking about beating me senseless, pummeling me until his knuckles bled. That's the kind of barbarian we're dealing with here. And the only reason his knuckles are going to be bleeding is because he's a Neanderthal. And he walks on his knuckles. Check it out. I'm Roman Reigns. Oh, I'm so tough. I'm so strong. I'm going to pound Seth Rollins into the ground. (laughs) Oh, Roman Reigns is part gorilla, he's part Samoan, and he's part uh, rhinoceros. Yeah, rhinoceros. Tom, you know a rhinoceros is actually one of the most powerful animals in the entire world. The problem is, they're not very smart. And I've said it before, and I'll say it again. It's brains over brawn. Every single time I made Roman Reigns. I am responsible for everything he has ever accomplished in the WWE. And tonight, I take away everything he ever could be. I am the future WWE World Heavyweight Champion. And me, me, not Roman Reigns. I am the future of WWE. Believe that. Roman makes his old entrance through the crowd as it's time for our main event. What? I Already? Okay. So Roman comes through the crowd, a, an entrance he can't do anymore because he was getting groped and people were grabbing uh, Roman in all the wrong places. Mr. Money in the Bank, Seth Rollins, is out next before the Burn It Down was added to his song, which, by the way, it should have never been added to his song because he never said that. That's what I want to get over every time we talk about Seth Rollins' theme song is that Seth Rollins never said Burn It Down. They put the Burn It Down in after he was in the video game commercial where he actually burnt down a warehouse, but he didn't say burn it down that was not a a part it wasn't a catchphrase so i kind of think it shouldn't be in the song i know it's made the song better because it gives the people something to chant people love counting and they love chanting they love they love knowing the words basically and so i'm glad that it's helped out his song and he even stomps he gets people to chant it in the crowd so it's helped him out a little bit but i just i wish that it was a an organic sort of thing instead of just Oh, uh, we'll put it in the theme song, and there you go. You sold out chance for Seth as he runs away from Roman, which is his strategy for the first half of the match. Roman eventually catches him, drives him into the apron, brings him into the ring just to clothesline him back out, throws him into the announce table, and they take a commercial. When we return, Seth Rollins is in control after he hit a sling blade and a chin lock. Roman rebounds, misses the drive-by, and gets hit with a suicide dive from Seth. Roman finally connects with the drive-by, hits a Superman punch, but doesn't cover, misses a spear, and takes Rollins' super kick to the jaw. Roman tries a superplex to Rollins, but instead tries a second rope Samoan drop after Rollins fights out of the superplex, but Rollins flips over and hits a running buckle bomb as he goes post-to-post carrying Roman's full weight. This was amazing. He carried Roman all the way across the ring for this buckle bomb. Uh, It was just incredible. Then he tries a curb stomp. It's countered into a spear by Roman Reigns. One, two, three. Roman Reigns gets the win over Seth Rollins, something he has yet to do on pay-per-view, I think, but he can do on Monday Night Raw. 
it's a good thing they had this match tonight as it had to be canceled on Sunday. They were going to have, this is again, a match that they were going to have on Sunday, but it had to be canceled. So they actually gave you the match before the match. And it was to be Dean Ambrose's return, which would happen anyway. But Seth Rollins won by forfeit at Night of Champions. So there you go, as Roman Reigns had to have emergency surgery for a hernia. So uh, no Roman Reigns coming up on Sunday. So even though that was even though that was the last match of the night, our real main event tonight is Mark Henry rallying America. There's nothing more American than Mark Henry. But before that, the commentators recapped the Cena segment from earlier as if you hadn't been watching the show. Who tunes in for the last 15 minutes of Raw, by the way? Then they plug a few matches that are happening at Night of Champions, or they think are going to happen at Night of Champions. The ring is decked out with a red carpet and American flags in each corner. And then that great theme song, Somebody Gonna Get the Ass Licked. Mark Henry is out. Michael Cole is in the ring with him. He asks Henry how he feels about Lana and Rusev disrespecting America. He says he doesn't like it, and he says it very slowly, so he gets the Stone Cold Steve Austin what treatment here big time from the Lafayette crowd. He brings in Cole close, and he says he's going to shut Lana and Rusev up at Night of Champions. He promises not to let America down. Rusev then interrupts after Cole asks Henry about Lana's tweet. Rusev's music hits, and he interrupts after Cole asks Henry about Lana's tweet and how she's disrespecting America. Man, it's been a long time since I've heard Lana's Russian voice, and now, because of Glow on Netflix, all I hear is Zoya the Destroyer. She makes an Obama approval rating joke. Topical. She then tells Henry that he failed at the Olympic Games and Russia prevailed and shows a picture of Olympic gold medalist from 1992, Alexander Kurlovich, who, by the way, died last year in 2018. And she claims that Russia came out on top. Well, this is somewhat not true because he didn't compete for Russia at the Olympics, but he competed for the unified team. Alexander Kurlovich competed for the unified team, which was all the Soviet countries got together. The former Soviet Union countries, not Russia specifically, got together and were on the same team. So he didn't win the gold for Russia. And also, Alexander Kurlovich was from Belarus. Uh, Not exactly Russia, but... Then again, Rusev isn't from Russia, so who cares? Lana shows a picture of Vladimir Putin and says Obama cowers in fear to him. Then Mark Henry says the Pledge of Allegiance to the flag of the United States of America, but Rusev runs in, Henry tosses him, but then he falls to a machka kick. Then Rusev goes for the accolade, but Henry stands up and choke drops Rusev, and the show ends with Henry waving. Old glory, as surely he will go and prevail on Sunday. No, in fact, he would lose. And a single tear dropped from that man's eye. One of the most prolific performances in a, in a losing effort was given by Mark Henry on that Sunday. So there you go. That was the Raw heading into Night of Champions 2014. Match quality, pretty much non-existent. Uh, One thing of note, as I mentioned earlier, a ton of people competed on this. This was just five years ago. I realize there's a lot of turnover on sports teams. Like if you look at a team five years ago, they're going to have a lot. The roster is going to be very different today. But it's just crazy to me how many people are gone, including uh, Goldust, Stardust, Cameron, Mark Henry, Big Show, Damian Sandow. There's more people on this show not with the company than people on this show that are still with the company. And that's just crazy to me, only being a five-year-old broadcast. I understand if you go further back. Like, if I pulled a, a Raw from 1995, of course there'd be virtually no one left. Maybe The Undertaker. But, uh, you know, this is just sort of sort of crazy that the, the roster's turned over that much. And the industry's changed that much in, in five years you could definitely feel the the influence of the WWE Network as they tried to get that off the ground. 
and uh, really promote it and and hype the shows that are on it and the content and the price point and where you can watch it. The commentators did that throughout the night. But as far as a go-home show to get you hyped for Night of Champions, which they still had SmackDown on Friday, but SmackDown was a canned show at the time. So uh, they weren't shooting big angles on SmackDown. This did very little uh, to get me interested in Night of Champions outside of the Brock Lesnar, Paul Heyman, John Cena segment. They're matches that are happening just to happen because you have a pay-per-view called Night of Champions, so we have to have all the champions fight. Well, why are they fighting? I don't know, because they have to. Why are What are they fighting for? The belt. Why do they want the belt? We don't know. So that's the problem with having a a pay-per-view like Night of Champions. Although, if the titles were really valuable to begin with, outside of the the big title, the, at this time they only had the WWE title. They didn't have uh, the Universal title. This was before the brand split. If the titles actually meant something, every pay-per-view would be a Night of Champions. And for the most part, it is. I mean, except in 2019, they have so many titles, including the UK and NXT belts. If they actually did a real Night of Champions with every belt that they had, we'd be there uh, for a week or so, I think. Uh, But yeah, when you have a stipulation like this that every title will be defended, you have matches that feel cold. Even the matches that didn't have titles involved felt cold. Randy Orton didn't even bother showing up to continue the attack on Chris Jericho. Why are they fighting? Just to fight. And you had a match that wasn't going to happen. They had no clue it wasn't going to happen, but Seth Rollins and Roman Reigns wasn't going to happen. And it was going to be Dean Ambrose's return anyway, so it all worked out. But go-home shows are supposed to get you hyped. They're supposed to solidify feuds. And even the big thing at the end with Uh, Mark Henry and Rusev, I don't think anybody thought Mark Henry was going to win uh, at Night of Champions. So that was, especially to be the closing angle of the show, was very strange. Very strange placement. So there you go. That's my review of the Raw heading into Night of Champions 2014. 2014, a very big year in pro wrestling with with the network coming around and uh, the end of the traditional pay-per-view model. It's changed the entire industry. So uh, I thought this was a a good Raw to go back and look at just a few years back, heading into what is now Clash of Champions happening this Sunday. So we, we saw how they went into Raw from Madison Square Garden going into this year's. We saw what happened in Lafayette from 2014. So there you have it. Go to powerslam.tv, use the promo code RETROWRESTLING, and get a month for free. Their price is now only $5.99 a month, and there's tons of content on there. We'll be back next week for ECW's Gangsta's Paradise. And until then, enjoy uh, the weekend of wrestling and uh, MMA fights, and uh, we'll see you next week right here on the Retro Wrestling Podcast.